Now, <laughs> go ahead and take your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 17. I do want to say before we get started that that is my favorite hymn. My favorite hymn. And let me tell you, that is probably the best I've ever heard a song. So I enjoyed that. I am ready to preach now. That and two cups of coffee. All right. Acts 17. Acts 17. If you're there, say word. Awesome. Go ahead and stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. We're going to go from verses 1 through 15. 1 through 15. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But as the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an, an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men... Who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as, well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea, also they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would add a blessing upon your word this morning. Help us to see the truth from this scripture about the church that turns the world upside down. Help us to be encouraged. Help us to leave here changed with this truth. We ask this to your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I started bringing a bottle of water up here with me after three weeks ago. I started choking and I couldn't stop. So the title of today's message is World Upside Down. Now, tomorrow, many people are off work. Many, not all, but many people are off work because of Memorial Day. You may be cooking out, maybe spending time with family, maybe working on some uh, project that your wife has you doing. 
maybe even on vacation for those who may be listening in, but tomorrow, Memorial Day, is a day in which we sit aside to remember those who have fallen while serving in our nation's military. Now, you may have family members that have fallen in the military. And this is the time when we set aside to remember them. I saw some posts on Instagram yesterday. Uh, I think a church member was laying flags on burial sites of, uh, of uh, veterans. This is, this is a time in which we remember those that have given much, given their lives for our freedoms. We should be thankful for those people who serve in our military, who make that daily sacrifice. And we have people within our own very church, some here this morning, who do that. Here we see in Acts 17, we see a group of people who are willing to sacrifice everything to change this world. Just like those who have served in our military, who have given their lives while serving in military, they gave what they had to change this world, to, to, to safeguard the freedoms we have. Here we see Paul and Silas in Thessalonica and in Berea. And, and, and as is becoming the norm, when Paul enters into a town, he preaches the word, people get saved, people get angry. Paul flees, goes to the next town, does it all over again. We see in Acts 17 the church turning the world upside down. Now, from the world's perspective, the church that proclaims the gospel is turning the world upside down. But from the church's perspective, we are waiting for the day when it is turned right side up. Because we believe that sin has turned our world upside down. From the created order, it was created good and perfect and in faithful harmony with God the Creator. But sin entered into this world. In a world stained with sin, turned upside down because of sin, the church seeks to proclaim the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Savior who will save them from their sins if they turn to Him and repent of their sins. But why, why do we as a church, why, why are we seeking to turn the world upside down? Because Satan has a hold on this world. And the church that proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ is trying to dismantle that hold. So here's the main idea I've got for you this morning. is this. The church turns the world upside down by the spread of the gospel. As what Leto alluded to this past Sunday, there, there is, there, 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 there's nothing wrong with programs. Programs can be good and beneficial. We can, we can have a five-step program to turn the world upside down. But, but, but let me tell you, it, it is solely done by the spread of the gospel. Solely. And here we see it in Acts 17. The church turns the world upside down by the spread of the gospel. So I've got three characteristics for you of a church that turns the world upside down. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you. There are three C's. The church that turns the world upside down has a confession, 
has a conviction, and has a confidence. And then we're going to go through in what. So number one, the church that turns the world upside down has a confession of Christ as Lord. A confession of Christ as Lord. Now, as we go through this church, I want you to examine yourself. Because when I'm talking about the church, I'm not just talking about Red Cross. I'm talking about the church as a whole. And when we talk about the church as a whole, we're talking about the individual believers that make up that church. So I'm talking about you individually. Is this you? We all want to make a difference. We live in a world right now, currently, today, where I am a little nervous about the world my children are going to be raised in. I grew up with a freedom, right? You grew up with freedoms. Sometimes in today's day, which is really no different than the day in Bible, we're wondering whether or not we're going to have those freedoms later. I mean, we have a Memorial Day weekend where we are remembering those who have died for our freedom. The greatest one that we can reflect on is Christ who suffered that we may be free in him. So how do we as individuals, how can we see a world turned upside down? First, we need to have a confession of Christ as Lord. Now, we see Paul's first order of business in in Thessalonica. We see that this has been his first order of business. Everywhere he goes, what does he do? He goes into the synagogue and he proclaims the gospel. Now, check this out. In verse 1, I'm sorry, verse 2, we see, And Paul went in into the synagogue, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures. What does that mean? Does that mean that Paul jumped in and then he he left? No. He spent time in Thessalonica at least three weeks. We see that he spent time with the people. If we were to look at Thessalonica, the best place we can look is 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Paul writes in 1st Thessalonians 1, 4 through 6, he says, For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know, check this out, church. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us in the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Paul is telling them, from the time we spent with you, we showed you the men we were, the men we are. We lived a life in front of you that was exemplary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's confession of the gospel that he proclaimed in the synagogue wasn't just just a proclamation. It was the way he lived his life among other people. Church, it is so easy for us to make a claim of Jesus. We live, I do believe the Bible Belt is being dismantled in this society we live in now. But we do live in a time and in an area in which everybody and their mom claims to be a Christian. Because they walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, got dunked, and never showed their faces in church again. They claim to be Christian. Because of just that sentence that comes out of their mouth. I'm a Christian. Do we not live in a culture where we 
can self-identify? Church, you cannot just make a claim that you're a Christian and be a Christian. Paul is showing us that his proclamation of Christ is not just a proclamation. It's the way he lived his life. Verse 2, and Paul went in as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. He is Lord. He is the one who came and died for our sins. Check this out. The, val the validity of our confession is evidenced in our obedience. I'm going to say that again. The validity of our confession is evidenced in our obedience. If we confess Christ as Lord, it will be shown as true in the way we live our lives. Let me, let me get a little real with you. Your kids are looking to your confession. Your husband, your wife, they are looking to your confession. Your friends, your co-workers, your, your teachers, your boss, your, your church, and even your pastor, they are looking to your confession. Because if you confess Christ, they are watching your life. That's one of the hardest parts about being in ministry. One of the hardest parts about being in ministry is you live in a glass house. And you are constantly on surveillance. Constantly. But our confession needs to match up with our lifestyle. Can you say this morning that your confession and your obedience line? Can you? I'm not talking about perfection. If we confess Christ as Lord, then we should be living a life of repentance, right? We should be pursuing holiness. We're going to mess up. We're going to stub our toe. You catch what I'm saying? You're, you're going you're gonna to say something that is sinful. You're going to do something that is sinful. That is just that is going to happen. That's your human nature. But the thing is, is Christ has given us a new nature, a new heart, and our lives are to be an exemplary of the life that He lived and gave that we may live and pursue holiness. So if you want to be a church, if you want to be a believer, if you want to be a Christian that turns this world upside down for the sake of the gospel, we must have a confession of Christ as Lord. And that confession is not just, not just a message we proclaim, it's a life that we live. You wonder why the world takes Christianity as a joke? It's because we treat it like that. We claim to be Christians, but yet we, 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 we only put on that mask when we're 10 to 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. First Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12, Paul tells the Thessalonians, he says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and our toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God, and God also, how holy 
and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Church, if we are calling the world to turn to Christ and to turn to the word of God and to live repentant and obedient, you need to be doing the same. Does our confession match with our obedience? It's so easy to confess Christ as Lord and live as if he doesn't exist. It is so easy to do that. We've seen it. We've seen it across the world. We've seen denominations, whole denominations, split because they've allowed sin and, and the culture to influence their beliefs. We've seen it. We've had denominations split off of the Southern Baptist Convention because of it. Culture should not influence our confession. Can I say that? Culture should not influence our confession. Instead, our confession should influence the culture. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. We do not allow the culture to tell us what to believe. We do not allow the culture to tell us whether or not we should trust the word of God. Whether or not we should believe that Jesus is true. Whether or not this entire book is valid. Culture has no right to tell us that. We stand solely on the word of God. So, I think I preached my whole sermon just in point one. The way you love your neighbor is a response of the confession that you carry. The way you love your wife, the way you love your kids, the way you you love and treat your co-workers, the way you love the woman who cut you off in Walmart parking lot and took the parking spot that you were going for is a response of the gospel that you proclaim. Ouch. (laughs) So do you want to change the world? Do you want to see the world turn upside down or in our perspective, right side up? Do you want to see the world have a revival of the gospel for the sake of your kids, for the sake of your grandkids, but most importantly, for the sake of Christ and his gospel? Then confess Christ. Confess Christ. A church that confesses Christ as the Lord transforms the world. But not only that, they're able to do that because of number two. Two, they're able to transform the world because they have a courage and opposition of the world. Church, we live in a day today in which we need to build our courage to stand on the truth of what God's word tells us. You might not see it coming, but it's coming. A day in which maybe even we will be threatened because of our gathering. We see it just next door in Canada. Pastors are being arrested left and right because they're gathering right now. Churches are being chained up and fenced in on government order because of gathering. 
Church, we are called to be courageous. Now we see in this text the response of the people to Paul's preaching. We see first response in verse 4. Some of them were persuaded. Paul proclaimed the gospel. Some of them were persuaded and, and, and they joined Paul and Silas as did a great many of the devout Greeks and, and, and not a few of the leading women. What does not a few of the leading women mean? A lot of the leading women. They believe, but verse 5, but the Jews were jealous. In taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in, a, in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason. We don't know who Jason is. We don't know. Luke knows Jason. Luke is, Luke is in this situation. He knows Jason. He probably met Jason. But we don't know who, who Jason is. And attacked, the house, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Church, can I tell you this? The world hates the gospel. They hate it. They want the benefits of Christ, but not the lordship of Christ. They want what Christ offers, but not what Christ demands. They want the salvation from an eternity in hell, but they don't want to bow their knee to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, church. Everybody's going to bow their knee to King Jesus one day. And I'm not talking about a universalism salvation. I'm talking about some are going to bow in allegiance and in devotion and in joy to Christ. And others will bow their knee in fear that they're about to be thrown into an eternity in hell. Church, we are called to have courage in opposition to the world because the, the world hates this. The world hates exactly what verse 7 says. They are all acting against the decrees of Caesar and saying there is another King Jesus. What is our proclamation? Christ is King. Christ has authority over the president, over the White House. Praise God. Christ has authority over all authority in this world. Nobody can tell Jesus what he can and can't do. He is our king. This, this what's happening here in, in, in chapter 17 should not come to us as a surprise this morning. We've seen it through the book of Acts. We've been in this book almost, well, no, going on 18 months. This has been good, right? I've loved this book, especially through a pandemic. This has been good stuff. So this should not be a surprise to us. It should not be a surprise that the, the world has hostility to those of us who confess Christ as, as, as Lord. Even Jesus has promised it. He, he told us that they will hate you because they hated me first. They will hate you. We see in the book of Acts that people are being chased down to being killed and imprisoned. Because of their confession of Christ as Lord. They need 
courage. And in a world of opposition, we need that. These believers, not just Paul and Silas, they were courageous. They didn't back down. We see the people of, of uh, Jason and the house and these people that they drug out. Paul and Silas have already gone to the next town. But these, these people, they have not given up. They didn't recant their beliefs. They, they stood firm. They had courage. And church, let me tell you. You need courage to live in this world today as Christians. We can have a hard time sharing the gospel because of our fear of other people. Our fear of what they will say. Our fear of what they will do. Church, let me tell you, we need to get over that. We need to work through that. In a world that, that makes so many claims, in a world that claims that gender is only determined by the way you feel that day, or that love is love no matter who or what you fall in love with, we need to be courageous in our convictions of Scripture. If Christ is not Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. And if Christ is Lord of all, then that changes everything. First Thessalonians 2, 1 through 2. Again, Paul writing to the Thessalonians. This is after Paul and Silas have left. He says this, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. We see boldness and courage here. Where does that come from? I asked a, I asked a mentor of mine one time. I was, I was told to be in ministry, you've got to have thick skin. That's not true. People are not mean at all. Wow, y'all need to wake up. In ministry, you gotta have thick skin. So I asked my friend one time, I said, How do you how do you get thick skin in ministry? He said, Well, there's no thicker skin than scar tissue. Okay. I gotta get beat up a, a, a little bit. Ministry does that. You get beat up. How do we find courage in a world of opposition? How do we find that boldness in a world of opposition? Well, 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 14. Paul's writing to Timothy. He says this. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by, by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 
by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. What did Paul tell Timothy there? How do you suffer for the gospel? How, how do you have courage and boldness for the gospel? Paul says that his courage is found in his joy in Jesus Christ, who saved him only because of Christ's own purpose and grace. Where does our courage come from? It comes from Christ. Paul has courage because of his love for the one who loved him and died for him. Man, you would go to great lengths for your wife or for your kid. Right? You would suffer to rescue them because of your great love for them. You would somehow find that courage because of your love for them. So believer, church, Christian, let me tell you, we can have courage to make Christ known because of his love for us. Our courage comes from who Christ is. That's why we get offended when his name is thrown around in vain. That's why we get offended when, when they talk cheaply about Christ. That's why, we get, that's why I get offended if I hear somebody say something negative about my wife. I love my wife. And my wife loves me most days. But when it comes to the gospel, you do not talk about my king like that. What he did, who he is, his love for me, you don't talk about him like that. Church, we need courage in opposition of the world. So be bold. Be courageous. Find it in the joy that you have in Christ. A courageous church that confesses Christ as Lord is able to do this, to transform the world because, number three, they have a confidence in the Word of God. They have a confidence in the Word of God. So the church that transforms the world has a confession of Christ as Lord. They have a courage in a world of opposition. Number three, they have a confidence in the Word of God. Look at verse 11. Now, Paul and Silas have already come to Berea. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Alright, so we see here, Paul and Silas, through their courage, they did not stop preaching the gospel. They went ahead and moved to the next town and continued preaching the gospel. They're in Berea now, and these Bereans... They are examining the scriptures. Now, we see here in Berea, they received the word better than those in Thessalonica. But understand, Paul did nothing different. Nothing different. He proclaimed the same gospel. People are going to react differently to the gospel. Some people will, will respond, some will not. Here they responded. 
Understand why Paul and Silas are doing this. Through their courage to enter into the next town and continue preaching their gospel, they are doing this because they have a confidence in the word of God. They have a confidence in what the word says. A confidence in that the word is true, not a confidence in themselves. Paul even tells the people in Thessalonica that he did not come preaching of eloquence. But their confidence is in God's word. And so here, I stand here this morning proclaiming this message to you, not because I'm confident in myself. I'm not. I can be prideful. Most men can be. But I'm not confident in myself. I am confident that this word is true. I am confident that this word is powerful. And I'm confident that this gospel that goes forth will save those who will turn to Jesus Christ as their Savior. So if we want to be a church, a Christian, a believer that transforms the world, that seeks to turn the world upside down, we must have a confidence in this book, in the Word of God. You see, here's the thing. Paul isn't the only one with confidence in the Word of God here. Paul's preaching out of confidence in the Word, but here, the Bereans are receiving the Word through their confidence in the Word. Have you ever heard the saying, be like the Bereans? No? Okay, be like the Bereans. Now you've heard it. But the reason why is, is because of this text. They examined the Scriptures eagerly, daily, Openly and diligently. They, they wanted to know that what Paul was preaching to them was true. I, I exhort to you through my preaching to examine the scriptures. Trust me, I've got people in the congregation that are going to text me probably while I'm preaching that what I said wasn't true. Thankfully, that hasn't happened yet. But you need to be like Bereans even when I'm preaching. To examine the scriptures to see if these things are so. But this is what the Bereans did when, when Paul preached. They searched the scriptures. If only the church would be more like the Bereans. In the world we live in today, we're no longer searching scripture. We're searching the culture. We don't want to offend people. We don't want to make people mad. We want people of all walks of life and all beliefs to be a part of the church. But that's not how this goes. Only people that can be a part of the church are those who have repented of their sin and turned to Christ as their Savior. Church, we in a world that is strongly opposed to the gospel. We need to have a confidence in the word of God. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. Paul says this. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Check it out. All right. First, 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Why is that? Because people are not searching the scriptures diligently and daily. 
They, they want to make the scriptures say what they want to say. They will interpret it how they want it to be interpreted. I pray that we be more like the Koreans. If we want to see the world change and transform, we need to have a confidence in the word of God. How do we develop a confidence in the word of God? By being in the word of God. Memorizing it. Hiding it in our hearts that we may not may not sin against God. That we we need to be in the word to know what the word says. That is that is how we are like the Bereans. Our confidence in God's word comes through that diligent time in his word. We see through this proclamation that Paul has. Even Jews from Thessalonica. This is not the first time this has happened when Paul would go to a, a town and preach the gospel. Somebody from the town prior would bring a crowd that would cause problems. But when the Jews, verse 13, from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea. Also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. So what happens? Paul gets sent off to Athens. To do what? Preach the gospel. Because people need to hear what this word says. A church that changes the world believes the word that they hold so dear. So church, we live in a world that hates the gospel that we preach. We live in, 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 in a world that will try to even kill us. Because we proclaim that Christ is king and they are not. We, can we get this through our minds? We are not here to please the world. And can we also understand that we are not here to make people like us? I deal with that. I like the fact that people like me. All right, I'm a big teddy bear. Like I try to be as nice as possible. It takes a lot to make me mad at people. And what I mean by that is it takes a lot for me to show my anger to, towards, towards people. I'll bottle that up. Why? Because I don't want people to hate me. But here's the thing. And I have to come to grips with this. As a preacher of the gospel, I am not here to make you like me. I'm not. Even Paul tells us that he is not here to please people. He's here to please God. Church, we are not here to please people. We are here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ that they may turn from their sin and turn to him as Savior. We are going to offend people. The gospel is offensive. People are not going to like us because we stand on this word as authoritative, as inerrant, and as the proclamation of the gospel. We stand on this word and people will hate us. But understand, this world has been turned upside down by sin. And the gospel-centered church is going to turn it right side up through the proclamation of it. Christ is using the church to turn the world right side up. So may we ever, ever have that confession of Christ as Lord. May we ever be so bold and courageous in the proclamation of the gospel in a world that opposes it. And may we ever grow so strongly in our confidence of the word of God 
Because I'm telling you, church, we need to be courageous for the sake of the gospel. And we can only do that through confidence in Scripture and through our confession of Christ as Lord. So church, where are you at today? Where are you at? Are you struggling in any of these areas? Are you fearful for people? Are you fearful of people? When they know that you're a Christian. Are you fearful of people when they know how you stand on scripture? May we ever grow so bold in Christ. Do people know that you are a Christian? Can people tell by the way you live? But not only that, can they tell because you have tried to share the gospel with them? And how is your time in the word of God? Are you growing confident in it? Not in yourself, but in the truth and what this is and what this says. May we be like the Bereans and be diligent in the study of God's word on a daily basis. Let's pray. Father God, help us this morning. Help us as we seek to be a people that confesses Christ as Lord. Help us as we seek to be a people that is ever so courageous in a world of opposition, in a world that hates the word that we stand on. And God, may we ever be so confident in your word as we seek to diligently be in it daily, to study and see that these things are so. God, help us. Help us to be that church that you've called us to be. Help us to stand firm on the word that you have shown us so dearly. Not just the, the written word, but the revealed word of Jesus Christ. We ask all this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.